Well, good evening. Let me add uh, my welcome. My name's uh, Matt Fuller. I'm the vicar here. And uh, it's lovely to be able to welcome you uh, for this carol service tonight. And I just want to spend a few minutes uh, not looking at so much of the uh, traditional Christmas readings, but just uh, one truth uh, or one uh, phrase that comes in the Bible, written about 15 years later, which reveals the real meaning of Christmas. So just a few minutes on the real meaning of Christmas for you all, which if you've never realized it, the real meaning of Christmas is that you can become fantastically rich, filthy rich, unbelievably rich, rich in a way that the Bitcoin billionaires of 2017 would look upon you with enormous jealousy, okay? Unbelievably wealthy. Not just materially, um, and about not a lot of it materially uh, in, the, uh, in the near future, but in the broadest sense of the term, relationally, in terms of ability to do stuff, and yeah, yeah eventually, materially or financially, rich. That is why Jesus Christ came the very first Christmas time, so that you and I could be richer beyond our wildest dreams. Now, if you've thought really hard and worked really hard at it, what do you think of when you think rich? I don't know what it is, a big stash of bullion, whatever it may be, the, the sort of Disney World palace, I don't know what it would be. Beyond any of that, richer than you can even conceive of. Jesus Christ came that first Christmas, 2,000 odd years ago, so that you and I could be rich. So here's just one little verse from the Bible. It comes from uh, about 2,000 years later, uh, excuse me, 15 years after uh, Jesus um, uh, had died. And it's just this, from a letter written to uh, a church in Corinth. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor for your sake, so that you, through his poverty, may become rich. God became rich, excuse me, God became poor, so you and I could become rich. That is the message of Christmas. Uh, but if you want to understand this properly, it, you, are, you have got to get this, it's a gift. You cannot achieve this richness, these, these riches. You cannot set up your new uh, fintech or whatever it may be, your, your new uh, wonderful scheme. For You can't achieve it. You have to receive it. It's a gift. That's what the word grace means. You know the grace. It just means an undeserved kindness. It's a gift. I don't know how many of you have seen... Uh, little, it's a little five-minute video on YouTube. It is well worth your time. Uh, the miracle of WestJet. Uh, people have seen that. 47 million people have viewed it. Um, not many here. Uh, but um, it is well... It, the reason so many people viewed it is very sweet. So a few years ago, WestJet, that is the EasyJet of Canada, the sort of their budget airline. They decided they were going to do... Uh, well, be generous a little gift of grace, undeserved gift for some of their customers. So uh, it was one flight uh, from Toronto to somewhere else and uh, less than an hour the flight. But what they did, when, you, when people arrived with their baggage and checked in their baggage, you then went through to the gate and there's a gate area, big TV screen and a little computer attached to it. And if you went up to the screen and, and scanned your boarding pass, boo, Santa appeared on the screen, uh, a live Santa and say, ho, 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 obviously, ho, 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 uh, what would you like for Christmas? 
and uh, the children get shuffled forward first. They say, oh, I, I want a, you know, I want a car, I want a police car, I want a little train, etc." Oh, okay, great. What about your dad? What does he want? Well, I'd like some new golf clubs. Uh, oh, I see your wife is rolling her eyes. Um, and on is her went, you know, what do you want, sir? Oh, I'd love a big TV, a really big TV. Okay, what do you want, sir? Oh, just the normal, you know, uh, underwear and socks and, you know, nothing, nothing too much. Very good, very good. And, um, and you see all these people coming up and scanning and putting in their requests. Oh, I want a Samsung Galaxy tablet. Very good. Um, oh, says one woman, I'd love flights to be able to see my family on the other side of the world this Christmas, but... It's a slightly sad moment. Okay, then there's that. And then the camera. Shh, has anyone seen this? Uh, okay, one, two people. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, the camera flips. And then you see all these, uh, these staff from WestJet. And they're running around a load of shops, buying up everything that people have requested. You know, and there's a big old plane's worth of, uh, of presents, you know, whatever, 300 people on the plane. And they're, they're running around. They haven't got long. They've just got an hour. Uh, and then they get it to the airport. Everything like legs are wrapping like crazy. And then you go, bing. And it's to the baggage carousel. Ah. Oh. And everyone's there sort of grumpily, you know, <laughs> um, waiting for their baggage to come. doesn't come. Santa Claus comes. Ho, 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 everyone. Yeah, very good. Just want our luggage. Thank you very much. Uh, and then chugga, 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 the thing sort of, something about those things, even though we're in the 21st century, they still sound like a 19th century machine, don't they? The baggage recollect. Anyway, chugga, 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 it starts up. And packages start coming down. Presents. At first, everyone sort of ignores them. Oh, where's our luggage? And then they've all got labels on. And then some of the children, of course, for me, (laughs) uh, uh, they start looking at the labels and reading out the labels and calling out people's names. And and they are for the people there. And, of course, the sense of wonder builds as they realise everything they'd requested in the baggage, excuse me, in the uh, waiting area in Toronto, everything's there. It's amazing. You know, some of the children's faces, you know, their toys, they're very sweet. The one lad, oh, Samsung Galaxy tablet, you are joking me. You know, he's sort of just, it's a sort of magic TV moment for the camera. Then, of course, 50-inch TV arrives <laughs> for one bloke. Brand new golf clubs for another bloke. He's chuffed to bits. And then the sort of third guy opens his pants and socks and... <laughs> thinks to himself, what I really wanted was a new car. That would, um, <laughs> let's see how they'd have got on with that. Uh, and then very sweetly, you see the woman, you know, opening a letter. It's flights to the other side of the world, and she's got a little tear. Um, it's lovely. It is actually genuinely heartwarming for five minutes of your time, wasted at work tomorrow. No, 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 no. But um, uh, it's lovely. But what you have there is a gift. It's a gift of grace. All right, it's pretty good marketing, I know that. But um, it's, no one there deserved these gifts for flying with WestJet. I mean, it's a budget airline. It's the Ryanair equivalent. Just gifts, undeserved kindness. And that's what you have to understand about Christmas. God himself came down in Jesus Christ to give us by grace a gift of undeserved kindness. God became poor, so that we could become rich. Let me just comment uh, briefly on those two things. Okay, God became poor so that uh, we can become rich. God became poor. God is rich. 
Okay, not everyone agrees that there is a God. I know, I know, I know. But just run with it. Uh, on the assumption that that is true, Jesus Christ is rich. In eternity was rich, owned everything. The property in every city, the bullion in every bank, the islands in every sea, they're his. He is seriously rich. I read this week that uh, Amazon, Mr. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, earns in December 30,000 pounds every minute. Near enough? By the end of our carol service, he'll be a couple of million quid better off. That's not bad. Jesus is richer than that. Jeff Bezos doesn't own a universe. Not yet. <laughs> but not only materially, Jesus is rich, if I'm going to put it in these terms, in authority, in that he can do anything he desires. And money can't buy you that. Jeff Bezos wants to put a city on the moon. Do you know that? He hasn't done it yet. You can be, uh, you can be worth goodness knows how many billion. You can't do anything you want. Theresa and Philip May, they're worth a few million pounds. She can't buy loyalty if she wants it. Donald Trump is worth a couple of billion pounds. He can't buy respect, though he wants it. Or, in fact, a decent haircut, which I still find bewildering. <laughs> can't. Bill Gates, once again, the richest man in the world. Unbelievably generous with his money, an extraordinary philanthropist. He can't yet buy an end to AIDS. Not yet. Even though he's pumped billions and billions into it. Not yet. Nor malaria, not yet. You can have all the money in the world, you can't do anything. Jesus is, well, he can, actually. Not only rich materially, but in terms of authority, he can do what he wants. That is rich. And third, and perhaps even more striking, rich relationally. The Bible reveals that in eternity, God is Father, Son, and Spirit, those three. And throughout all eternity, those three relate perfectly. No competition. No resentment, no frustration, perfect love, harmony, giving, generosity to the other. Relationships that you and I could only dream of. So in every sense you could possibly imagine it, you'd have to say that Jesus Christ is rich in every single way, and yet he became poor. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus became poor. So materially, the obvious thing, why is he born in a manger? Why is he born in, in, a, in, a, in a sort of stable, a feeding trough? We had the nativity here this morning. We had a little manger on stage with hay. It collapsed. It was just a little bit embarrassing. Um, I hope Jesus' didn't collapse. Uh, but it was a pretty low-budget affair. Um, but is, why does he born in such extraordinary... Why does God himself come down to such extraordinary poverty to make the point? He's giving it all up. I don't suppose many of us have been to a stable, apart from fairly posh ones in uh, Surrey and Sussex. Not many of us would be, be, they do smell, you know. Uh, a few years ago, uh, our family was invited to the Living Nativity at London Zoo, which sounds like a nice idea, but it basically just a, quite a small room with quite a lot of animals and quite a big smell. Uh, the highlight of which was the sheep in the room was called Lady Baba. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I thought that was a good gag, but that was the best bit of it. And of course, uh, children come up and they're plonked on Santa's knee. And what would you like? Ah, and what would you like? Uh, one child was very polite. Santa, what would you like for Christmas? <laughs> oh, he said. Oh, no one's asked me that. Um, air freshener, I think, would be quite a nice one, given I spend all day in this room. A stable is poor. 
That's the point of the nativity. It's the point of why Jesus came. He's poor financially. He embraces or becomes poor relationally. So God himself comes down in the man Jesus Christ. And of course he's popular for a while, has crowds of thousands gathering around his every word. But as he goes to his death, he's abandoned by everyone and betrayed. And he's alone. Becomes poor. And poor, I guess, in authority, the, the God who can do anything he wants comes to this earth to die. The creator allows himself to be killed by his creatures. He becomes poor. Why? So that we can become rich. That's why he does it, so that you and I can become rich. Now, we've got to get this right. Uh, not many of us, I guess, in this room, not many would describe ourselves as poor. Poorer, yes, we, we can all do that. Uh, wages are pretty stagnant, inflation is up. A little bit poorer, we can all say that. But not many here tonight would classify themselves as really financially poor. But that's not really what the Bible's talking about, not primarily. It's talking about a spiritual poverty that you and I have a relational poverty that we have. Now, we don't feel it. But as the years go by, we're going into more and more debt relationally and spiritually. What do I mean by that? Well, I guess humanity's problem is a spiritual one because in our core, there's a selfishness. And we see it in the small ways before we get to the big ones. There's a selfishness which means we struggle with other people. We get irritated, we, we row a little bit with other people. I uh, read something this week, Harvard Business Review. Someone sent it to me, it's not my natural reading, I'll be honest with you, Someone, uh, but it was about uh, reasons there are arguments in the office. Oh, interesting. And this is Harvard, Harvard Business Review, it's quite an illustrious sort of publication and a quite high powered and so, you know, it's going to be you stole my income stream and you nicked a client or whatever it may be. Here are the five, okay, here are the top five reasons according to Harvard Business Review why there's a problem in the office. Number five, one person never makes any coffee and that gets on everyone else's nerves. Number four, messy colleagues. Number three, talking too loudly on the phone. Number two, smelly food in the office. Number one, the temperature of the office. <laughs> That's so petty, isn't it? What a petty list. And yet they're saying, those cause more arguments than anything else. I mean, really, how silly of us. This is just the small things, but we know it. Even those that we love the most, we struggle to go through a single day without being irritated. So the average married couple argues seven times a day. No, we don't, yes you do. I don't, you know, don't. <laughs> we all know it at Christmas, we'll get together with families that we love and there'll be irritations. And it's right, they're going tomorrow's. Don't worry about it, we're leaving soon's. There'll be those. It's a problem inside of us. Now, of course, what we do is we all say, well, but we're basically all nice people, and uh, there's just one or two flaws. Yeah, everyone plays that game. 
Everyone plays that game. So I was struck this week, we've got our website, Santa's Naughty or Nice. I may have to read it for some of you. I don't know if you could all be able to read this. Santa's Naughty or Nice. So you enter your name. Can we put in my name, Matt? Just keep it simple. Um, am I naughty or nice? Like, oh, 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 easy. Um, I'm nice. I'm nice. Matt Fuller was pretty nice at times yesterday. Needs to practice picking up more often and making the bed. Okay, well, that's pretty unexciting. Let's check, let's check another name. Any volunteers? Uh, no? Helen. Uh, Helen. <laughs> Helen. Uh, is Helen naughty? Oops. Uh, naughty. Checklist. Helen is nice. Has been nice most of the time. Has a naughty mark or two. Needs to share more often. Okay? Get, the, get to the drinks before her afterwards. Um, but we can all play that game. Let's go up again. What about... I'm a bit nervous about our typing. But what about um, Robert Mugabe? Is he naughty or nice? Oh, look, he's nice. <laughs> Room cleaning could lose a little attention. Nice overall. Nice overall. Let's just try, while we're on it, while we're on the dictators, let's just try if we can, Kim Jong-un, can we give him a go? How, is he naughty or nice? What do we think? Oh, that'll be fine. Oh, look, he's nice too. Was pretty nice at times yesterday, needs to practice picking him up. In fact, that's the same as me. <laughs> Do you want a Scooby-Doo moment? <laughs> oh, look, we can all play that game, and they do. Remember a few years ago, an interview with Robert Mugabe, he said, that poor Great Britain, how has it got stuck with that wicked, wicked man, David Cameron? Well, we can all play that game. I think we're basically nice people, we're just with one or two rough edges. But actually, we are in poverty. That's why we row with one another. And it flows out of the fact that we've, we've got a bankrupt relationship with God. We've ignored him. You and I are poor, a spiritual poverty. Look, I know we don't feel it. Well, some do. Some know it. Most of us don't feel it. But there's a spiritual poverty. And as the years go by, we're getting more and more into debt. We're bankrupt. We can't pay. And so it's into that poverty that Jesus Christ comes, he becomes poor so that we may become rich. Let me try to explain it in these terms. Uh, many will be familiar. The uh, Schindler's List, Oscar Schindler. He is a man who became poor for the sake of others. So 1943, he's a 35-year-old businessman and he's very successful, very affluent. Uh, his company's going great and he gets invited to the best parties. He eats the best food and the best drink. Two years later, in 1945, he's bankrupt and destitute. And he died a man penniless, owing huge debts. Now, you know the story. Why did a wealthy man become poor? He spent everything for the sake of, what was it, 1,200 Jewish workers, because he spent his money bribing Nazi officials. He spent his money building duff munitions that would never work. He deliberately became poor to save people from their, well, from their physical death so they could be rich or certainly alive. Now, you don't do that and you don't destitute yourself for a laugh. You do it because it's serious. He, 
Oscar Schindler impoverished himself to save people from a serious dilemma. Why does God himself come down and impoverish himself? To save you and I from spiritual debt, from a bankruptcy. Oh, we may not feel it now, but the day comes when we stand before the Lord. And there is a reckoning. And Jesus came, died, paid it all, took out our debt so that we can be rich. So lastly, what do I mean by that? What does it mean to be rich? Well, in every sense, in the fullest sense. I'd say rich, you become a Christian, you're rich relationally. You may have to try it and see on this one, but I would suggest to you that friendships in a church are better than anywhere else in the world. You may disagree with that, but of course they are. Because there are people united in a church, very different, and yet they're all saying, oh, we've all received this extraordinary gift. How wonderful. How wonderful. We don't need to pretend anymore. We don't need to pretend we're better than we are because we know that the only way God accepts us is by a gift. It's wonderful. It's relational wealth. Materially, no, not in this life, but in the next one, yeah. Ultimately, it's a wealth at the point of death, to be blunt. Very striking to me, about a month ago, I took the funeral of a 16-year-old boy, a boy called Charlie, who was the son of very close friends. And uh, he went from perfectly healthy, not a care in the world, to dead in 48 hours, very rare medical condition. What do you say to that family? They've got a lot of friends. They were 800-odd at the funeral. And of course, people said, I'm sorry. People said he was a great lad. And those are sort of kind things to say. But they don't help. They don't bring him back. Don't take away the pain. I was able to stand up at the funeral and say, Charlie knew God's grace. Charlie was a boy who did not deserve to go to heaven. Charlie was a boy whose life did not merit God accepting him. But we know, we know he's in heaven. We know he's enjoying a, a, a delight, a glory, a richness, a wealth beyond anything any of us here have ever known because he trusted that Jesus had paid his debt. That is riches because it lasts. Do you understand Christmas? Generally, when people understand the Christian faith, they either love it or they hate it. Because it says to all of us, to you and to me, you do not deserve heaven. You will never deserve it. You deserve nothing but God saying, go away, get out. And that is offensive to many people, but, but at Christmas, God became poor, and at Easter, he became poorer still. So that if you believe in him, if you trust that he's died to take your debt, you can be rich beyond your wildest dreams, genuinely so. Do you understand that? If you understand it, you either love it or you hate it. And my plea 
my longing for a room such as this, we're a mixture of Christians and not, is that everyone knows this wealth, this richness. Do you see the paper, last little comment. Do you see the, paper, uh, the story emerged in the paper this week? George Clooney had uh, thrown a party for 14 of his closest male friends and uh, sent out an invitation and said, look, this is, this is a big deal for me, all right? I, I really want you to come, from, you know, fly him from, uh, into LA, from different parts of the US. I really want you to be there. And so, oh, all right. Bit awkward, bit of inconvenient, but all right, George. Uh, and so 14 friends flew in, and uh, they had this meal, and uh, the first thing, they come in, they come in, and they sit down, and on each of their seats is a bag, and inside every bag is $1 million. And he says, just a gift. I love you guys. And I wanted to do that for you this evening. <laughs> but I'm not as wealthy as, uh, as George. Now, that's pretty generous, and he even went to say, look, I know you've got to pay tax, but I've paid that for you because, you know, rich people, we're good with tax. And, um, and so it was, it, was, it was a clear $1 million for all of them. Now, some of his mates are pretty wealthy, and so they're saying, oh, we'll just give it to charity. The moving one was one of them, he works in an airline bar in Florida, and he's broke. And for him, that's just transformed his life and that of his family and his children. He need never worry about their education or what comes next. That's a great gift. It's grace. Undeserved. Now, I guess if you've been invited by George and you were one of his 14 mates and you said, Well, I know you're saying it's important to you, George, but I'm a bit busy. I'll come and see you in three months' time when I'm over on the West Coast. And then you heard about the others. You'd be a bit disappointed. Jesus Christ says, I will give you riches beyond anything you can actually imagine. In the new creation, when you get there, when you die and you go to heaven and material, relational wealth, authority, you can do whatever you want, beyond anything this world offers. That is the offer of Christmas. It's a gift. You can't achieve it. You have to receive it from him. And certainly my prayer is that you would. Let me lead us in a brief prayer. Our great God and Father, we thank you that you're very generous. That that first Christmas, Jesus Christ, your son, came down, impoverished himself so that we could become rich. Father, we pray we'd understand more of that this Christmas in his name. Amen.